You're listening to a message from New Life Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit canbyfoursquare.com to learn more. Good job. Merry Christmas. Feliz Navidad. Blessed Nativity. Man, it's amazing that we get this opportunity to just come and celebrate. What I want to do today is I just want to invite you to open your Bibles, if you will, to the Gospel of Luke chapter 2. And if you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles all around this building. They're, they're colored blue. And uh, really, if you don't have a Bible, go ahead and take that. that. That is our gift to you. We want you to have God's Word in your hand. So we're looking at Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. And we're continuing a series. Last week, we talked about all I want for Christmas is courage. And the courage that we see in Mary's life, the model she is for us in following God and raising Jesus Christ to, uh, to the Son of God, an amazing responsibility. And today what we're going to talk about is all I want for Christmas is joy. Now joy is something we lack today in the world that we're part of. And we want to talk about what does it mean to have true joy. Now while you're looking up Luke chapter 2, I want to do this. I want to take you back to the year 2004 to the Summer Olympics in Athens, Greece. Matt Emmons is about to win a gold medal. Matt Emmons, if you don't know the name, was the 50-meter three-position sniper competition expert for the United States of America. And all he has to do is fire one more shot and get anywhere close to the bullseye, and he wins the gold medal hands down. Matt looks through his sights, and if you've done this before, and I, I've done it a few times where you're shooting long range, you're trying to time it actually with your heartbeat, with your pulse, with the way that you breathe. And these guys like Matt are experts at it. And so he puts the, the, the target in his sights, he begins to breathe, begins to count, and then he sees the bullseye, he pulls the trigger in time with his heartbeat, boom, it hits the bullseye, and at that point, everyone should have been excited. Instead of cheers, there were absolute gasps. They couldn't believe what happened. Matt's face turns to total disbelief. Why? Because he's in lane two, but he hit the bullseye in lane three, losing the gold medal. He came in fourth. He didn't get a, a medal. He was off the podium. He was looking at the wrong target. So here's the point. Here's the point for Christmas. Happiness is the wrong target. Aim for joy. Always aim for joy. Happiness is something that comes to us. Joy is something that's produced in us. Happiness is all about our circumstances. Joy is about our internal condition. It's about a relationship. It's an internal source. The scripture we're going to read today is about a real and true source of joy. And this source of joy is Jesus. In the Bible, we know during this time of year especially, we boldly proclaim him as Messiah, our Savior, Emmanuel. But the thing that he brings to us, and it's the thing that we see in the Gospel of Luke chapter 2, is he brings joy. Why? Because the announcement of a Savior who relieves us of our sins, who takes care of our sins, who brings us everlasting joy... Lasting joy comes from Jesus Christ. It doesn't come from your circumstances. It doesn't come from how much money you make or how much you own or the resources you have. 
Lasting joy comes from Jesus Christ. And that's what we read, the beginning, the annunciation of joy in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. Listen with me, if you would, and we're going to follow along, beginning at verse 8. It says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior is born to you. He is a Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary, Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I read this story, and every time I read it, this is amazing to me. Who did this joy come to first? It came to the most unlikely group of people on the planet. And I want you to remember that. The joy comes first to the most unlikely people that you would ever imagine joy would go to. If there's an uh, announcement of joy, again, you might go to the, uh, to the rulers of the day, the governors. You might go to the religious people, those that are high-ranking, and you would bring this joy. You would announce this joy. But it doesn't go to people like that. These people are people who, when they looked at them in their station of life, could never really have joy. These people are working for minimum wage. They have kind of a dead-end job. They, their circumstances are pretty dismal. They work the graveyard ship, and these people are shepherds. Just imagine, the first announcement of joy goes to shepherds. So the first recipients of joy are the shepherds. So why are we still talking about this 2,000 years later? It's because joy is something we all long for and very few of us really have. What determines joy in most people's lives? What determines your joy? I mean, that lasting joy, that, that dependency of joy that you have in God, what, what determines that in your life? How about security? That's one thing that we hear people talk about today. We hear people talk about security, and, and if there isn't that security or financial security or phys- physical security, what can happen is our jo- joy can wane because we're afraid. We, we fear. We have a lot of fear. The loss of physical and financial security can make us fret over tomorrow. It can make us worry and be concerned about the things that we're going to even face today. What's another thing that would would ebb away at your joy or eat away or erode your joy? I think the lack of significance in people's lives. That we've all been called. We all have a purpose. That that life really matters when we know what our purpose is. We have significance. And a lack of significance can erode joy in our lives. I was talking to a friend the other day. And, you know, we were just talking about 
our lives and our journey. And we've been friends for probably over 30 years now. And I said, what are the things that you're struggling with? And he says, I'm kind of struggling right now. I'm going through a season of time. I'm really struggling with, again, getting a hold of my identity in Christ. He asked me what I was struggling with. And I said, I I don't know if it's my identity in Christ. I mean, I always want to be aware of that. I always want to look at that. I always want to take inventory. But the thing that I'm struggling with is relevancy, significance. Because somewhere along the line, each one of us will come to this crisis of limitation where we have to take time and look at our own lives. And there's a source that we can go to. There's someone that we can turn to that will bring that everlasting joy in our lives. And his name is Jesus. Someone who will give us significance. It's Jesus Christ. So what happens during this period of time where we're questioning our significance in the world that we live in? Well, we painfully redefine victory and success. That's one of the things that we go through. What used to satisfy us, the victories, the successes, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't do the same anymore. It doesn't have the same effect on us anymore. It's significance. It's knowing that God has called us here and he's given us significance through his son, Jesus Christ. You know, I think there's something else. If it lacks, it can erode your joy. It might be, and for you, it might be purpose. You may have everything that you've ever wanted on this planet. You may have everything that you've hoped for while you live here on this planet, but still no purpose because a lack of purpose eats away at joy. Those are just a few things that can eat away at our joy. The recipients of joy were the shepherds. It says so in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. I think I have a few reasons I, I, I think about when I think about the message going to the shepherds and why the message of joy went to them first. Number one, and probably the thing that's really dear to my heart, is they were just, they were chosen because they were just, They were just ordinary. They were just regular people. And God chose the ordinary to first announce the joy of a Savior. Now, I can fit into that category. And maybe some of you can say, yeah, I I can fit in that category. I can identify. I can identify with the fact that God chose shepherds because these are ordinary people. Shepherds were given the task of reporting the good news. But I also think they were chosen because of their occupation. Now, I want you to think about it for a moment. Their occupation is herding sheep. It's shepherding sheep. And they're doing this in the fields of Bethlehem. Now, there's something here that goes pretty deep. It's pretty traditional. It goes way back. They're doing exactly what David did a few thousand years earlier. What they're doing is they're tending sheep. These are the places, these fields of Bethlehem are the places where the Psalms were written. It's where there was great joy in those fields because David made it so. But those sheep were not being raised just to be lamb chops. I don't know if you know that. Uh, They weren't being raised just to be eaten. They weren't being raised for human consumption. Do you know these were special sheep? Those that were being raised in the fields of Bethlehem were being raised so that they could be sacrificed. That their blood would be shed. There was a special way of going about this. And these shepherds knew exactly how to do it. And it was passed from generation to generation to generation. These were sacrificial sheep. Imagine that. Connect the dots prophetically in the Old Testament. What was going on here? 
I think even there you have a glimpse that there was going to be a sacrificial lamb, someone who was going to come and take the sins of the world upon himself. He was going to shed his blood for you and me right there. The announcement comes in that particular field on that particular day. Think about this. It was joy that brought the shepherds from fear to faith. And I think that's true for us today. When we experience the true joy of the Lord in our lives, it brings us from a place of fear to faith. There's a boldness when the Holy Spirit begins to move in our lives. There's a joy that comes that's authentic. There's a joy that's real. I know if you've visited church for the first time, and a lot of times what happens during the Christmas season is we, we come to church and we see all these people hugging each other and we, we get a little nervous because we don't want them to hug us. You know, we want our space. wonder what all of this is about. Listen, I want to say this. Divine joy can calm our worst fears in life and bring us to faith in Jesus Christ. Have you ever been around those folks that are authentically joyful? I mean, there's just an authenticity about their joy because they know their joy is in the Lord. I love being around people like that. They just kind of lift your spirits And what happens is that faith that God has given us is encouraged and it grows. And so here's the the next thing. The next thing, number two, is, is we have the messengers of joy and that's the angels. So the recipients of joy were the shepherds, common people, ordinary folk. And now you have the messengers of joy being angels. Look at what verse 11 says. It says, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now, that's news that's full of joy. You know, there's a lot of supernatural activity around the birth of Jesus. There really is. When you you think about the story last week and the week before, we talked about Mary and and Elizabeth. They're pregnant. They're with child. One is old. One is young. One is immaculate. One is older and was not supposed to have children. There's a lot of miracles that are happening around the birth of Jesus during this time. Why? Because Jesus is the Son of God. He's God in the flesh. There's supernatural activity activity taking place i know a lot of people look at this christmas season and think well you know i'm kind of a skeptic i'm into the kind of the scientific aspects of of life and the way things happen but you can't deny that there was the supernatural that took place here during christmas the christmas that we celebrate the message is true It's absolutely true. How do we know that? Now, what I'm going to do right now, I'm going to take off my pastor's hat for a moment and put on my Canby Bible College professor's hat, okay? I I do that every now and again, but it's important for us to know. You know, there were many who stated and who had written about Jesus Christ that were non-Christian, it was non-Christian literature. It was extra-biblical literature. One of those that wrote about Jesus and his life was Josephus. And what he stated was this. He stated that Jesus was a doer of wonderful works and miracles. So there was an acknowledgement there. And then when you look at all the other people who wrote things that were extra biblical, I just actually put a list up for you. I want you to see this. Look at Herodias. Go down that list. You go to Caesar's Gaelic War. You go to Tychicus. But then the one that has the most that's stated about the life of Jesus is in the New Testament. Look there. What does it say? 5,000, 10,000, 9,300 different kinds of documents about the life and times of Jesus Christ and that he is the Son of God. It's amazing. 
I mean, so if, you're, if, if you have any skepticism in your heart or your mind, I think when I go here and I start studying it, Jesus is real. It wasn't only true. The story of joy wasn't only true. The story of joy went viral. I mean, it multiplied exponentially. Listen, the angels left and the message of joy remained. And now we're heralds of that message of joy, that we have an opportunity really during this Christmas season to talk about the reason that we have joy in our lives. It's because of Jesus Christ. It's because of the good news that you've been brought in. You've been enfranchised in the, in the greatest effort on this planet, and that is sharing and bringing the good news to those that don't have the good news. You know, I've told you this before. I, I sometimes get a little... <laughs> I get a little nervous in conversations where people are asking each other their occupation. And, and this is the reason, not, not because I'm afraid or ashamed of what I do, but I know the moment that I tell people that I'm a minister or a pastor, all of a sudden these stereotypes just hit them, and now we're dealing with life on different, a different plane, and it's not real. You know, I've gone to parties with people, they don't know that I'm a pastor. As soon as I tell them, they hide their beer behind their back. I mean, what's up with that? You can drink your beer right here if you want to. You don't have to hide it back here. But it's just what happens when you tell people what you do for a living. And I've also often thought, I want to give a really good explanation. You know, one of these times when I'm sitting on an airplane, because that's usually where it happens, and someone says, what do you do for a living? Because you don't have anywhere else to go. I mean, you're locked in with people for two and three and four hours. you got to make conversation. And I've really had to think through this, because I want to give a good explanation. So the next time I get asked what I do for a living, I'm going to say this. I work for a global enterprise. Yep, we got outlets all over the world. Everywhere you go, you're going to find the outlets. We got hospitals, hospices, homeless shelters. We do marriage work. We've got orphanage. We feed the poor. We do all sorts of justice and reconciliation things. Basically, we look after people from birth to death, and we deal in the area of behavioral altercation. That's what we do. Isn't that great? That's a great exercise. Say that's what we do. It's around the world. Everywhere you, you are part of this wonderful enterprise called the good news of Jesus Christ. It's called the gospel. This is the good news that was brought by the angels to the shepherds and now to us. That we get to experience and be part of that. This, this, this news has gone viral. You're here today because over 2,000 years, it hasn't lost any of its punch. It hasn't lost any of its joy. It's still with us today. Joy brought the angels from heaven to earth. God sent these heavenly beings to, to announce, to let us know joy to the world. Our sins are forgiven. A Savior has come. So what do we have now? We have the place of joy. This is one, this is one I really like, the, the place of joy. Where is it? It stinks. It's in a stable. Some say it's a nave or a cave. There's a lot of different descriptions for what happened. But the place of joy is the stable. Whatever it was, it wasn't the Hilton. It wasn't the Doubletree. It was a stable. Some of you here work with farm animals. Some of you had a farm. Some of you have a farm. You know what it's like. You go in the stable, and it's a stable. There's nothing you can do to dress that up. It is what it is. And this is where, this is where Jesus was born. The place of joy 
was in a, a stable. Verse 16, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. Listen, whatever it was, <laughs> a knave, a manger, joy lives in challenging places. And that's one of the things we need to know about joy. That joy thrives. Real, true joy thrives in challenging places. I know we're going through quite a bit right now with our weather here, you know. But have you guys turned on the news to see what's happened on the East Coast? <laughs> I mean, it's really, I'm sorry, but it's nothing compared to what's going on in the East Coast. I mean, I, our friends in Buffalo, New York, Orchard Park, we've planted a church there. New uh, uh, East Aurora, we've planted a church there. I mean, we're talking West Upper State, New York, that get the wind effect off the big lake. And they get four feet in like three hours. You know, I mean, really. I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, challenging places are where joy can thrive. Joy lives in, in challenging places. Look at the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul in prison, in Philippi. I took a picture of this when I was there not too long ago. Here's the prison. Uh, and really, it's probably not. It, it, you look at it now, it's about probably the, pretty close to the same as it was back then. He's in this prison right here in this place. And here's the amazing thing about the book of Philippians. He mentions joy 16 times in four chapters from there. Now, I'm not so sure that if I was there, I would have mentioned joy one time. But he mentions joy 16 times. What's going on with this guy? What's what's happening in his life He knows the true source of joy. And he knows this. He knows that joy lives in challenging places. And that's why he exclaims, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Wow. (laughs) Paul knew what joy was in the most challenging places in the world. Here it is. Your faith is more important than your comfort. This is the way God sees you. Your faith is much more important than your comfort. Here's something else I want you to remember. Go away with this. Joy lives in those who praise Jesus. I think true and authentic joy, it lives in the lives of those who are constantly worshiping. There's a praise about who they are. They see themselves as a living and holy sacrifice. There's something going on in their life. That that joy lives in those who praise Jesus, who praise the Lord. I have a few good friends who are like this. No matter what their circumstances, they're constantly praising the Lord. Constantly praising the Lord. The lesson that I've learned is that pain that is not transformed is transmitted. Your pain that is not transformed in something holy and wonderful and beautiful will just be transmitted from one person to the next. You see, we have a choice with our pain. We have a choice to do something with our pain. How do we transform the pain that's in our lives? You know, I don't want to sound cliche. I really don't. But we still have a choice to make and that is to praise the living God. That's how you take pain and you transform it into fruitfulness for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We don't praise our circumstances. That's not what I'm saying here. But we praise the living God. One thing that I know about Philippi, we're going to be studying the book of Philippians starting in January for about eight weeks. The title of the series is just going to be called Impact. 
Because that's what it is. It's an incredibly impactful book. And it impacts our lives. But the amazing thing about Philippi is it wasn't just some ordinary church. I don't think any church is ordinary, but this especially was not. The reason why is because it was planted by the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul put his own blood, sweat, and tears into that church. I kind of followed his route. I was, I was there uh, not too long ago, about a year ago, and I thought, I want to just kind of, I'm not going to do it on foot because he's, I mean, the Apostle Paul was a beast, man. He just, he was, he could weather anything. So I thought, well, I'm just going to get close to it and try to drive as far as I can to see where this goes. He lands in a port, he takes off, and he hikes in this forbidden kind of place. I mean, cliffs, it's treacherous. There are bad people all around. And he goes up into this place and he starts this church. Gets beat up doing it too. Gets smashed around, gets thrown in prison. And yet he writes back to us 16 times, have joy, have joy. Have joy. That your joy doesn't depend on your circumstances. Paul lived this. These people knew about joy in Paul's life because they say it in Acts chapter 16, verse 25. It's where this whole thing is recorded in this prison. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. <laughs> the other prisoners should have been hearing moans and groans. But instead, what they're hearing is they're hearing joy. Joy come from these two men. They were transforming the pain instead of transmitting it. That's what they were doing. Joy brought Mary and Joseph from comfort to character. He developed something in them. And I'm going to finish with this. The last thing here is the expanse of joy. The expanse of joy, the breath of joy is the world. <laughs> Isn't that great? It's the world that we're part of. It's the world that we live in today. That's the expanse of joy. In verse 14, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those whom his favor rests. The angels brought the message of joy to every inhabitant of the earth. No one is left out. This message is not leaving anyone out. All belong to this message. It's believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, and you will be saved. But the message is heralded to everyone who has ever drawn breath, to every generation, to every nation, to every race, to every person, to all time. This is the message of joy and salvation to everyone. All of us. God's heart is to reach every person and on every continent and in every generation. Our God loves this world. Regardless of what you might think about the world, where the world is today, or how bad the world is today, God loves this world. He loves these people. Here's what God wants to do. He wants to grow our hearts to be His size. That we would have the heart of God that our heart would be as big as God's heart it's a lifelong journey say God I know you love people I want to love people help me do that and that's why I love again the theme of Philippians the theme the three main big ideas and truths are to exalt Jesus to love people and have joy and fun doing it and I want to have an authentic joy in my own life Here's what God wants to do. He wants to work in your life. It says, so God, so, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. First as a baby. 
that whoever believes in him will not perish, but they will have everlasting life. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, I love this. It says, And oh, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. The greater joy than pain, the greater joy, even during his suffering, was who? You. It was you that was his joy for the joy that was set before him. Each one of you, he endured the cross. I don't know if he did this. I like to think that this could have happened. I think it did. He knew all of you, knew your name, knew your face there on the cross. For the joy that was set before him, he, en- he endured the cross. His joy brings us from sin to salvation. That is the message of Christmas. The joy of the Lord is absolutely our strength. Live in his joy today. Would you bow your head with me? In just a moment, we're going to invite... Um, our prayer teams forward. And if you need someone to pray with you, someone to talk with you, please, please uh, go to someone and, and just talk and pray. Maybe even someone around you you can talk with, you can pray with. Father, I want to thank you today for uh, your great word and what you're doing in our lives right now that we have this opportunity to celebrate because of the joy, the authentic, true, real joy that you've given us through your son, Jesus Christ. The joy of forgiveness the joy of eternal life, the joy of relationship with you and with others. Thank you for that joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. James? Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through canbyfoursquare.com.